look uh, once again at the idea of the, the encouragement, let's do this. The this of, of this let's do this is personal discipleship. Let's do the personal discipleship that we are called to as a body of Christ. The, the this of let's do this is, is God's design for how his children are trained by each other to serve him. That are trained by each, each other. And if you remember, wherever two or more are gathered together, Christ has promised to be there with them. And it's for the purpose of greater fruit on this earth. For his kingdom. Let's do this is the title that we look at in this focus for 2022. There's a lot of jobs out there that require some pretty serious training. Uh, I saw Lori here this morning, Lori early. Lori, were you driving a truck at all this week? There she is. Yeah, Lori, Lori drives a snowplow for the state. That's pretty impressive. They didn't just get, throw Lori the keys and say, okay, go move some snow, right? It took some training. It took some observing. It, it took some practice. Uh, Roger built, built, built bridges all over Indiana. He'll let you know if, you, if uh, the one that's, you know, any of them that are breaking down it's, are his responsibility or not. <laughs> that took some training. Some of it on the job, right, Roger? Uh, our teachers, our nurses, it takes some training, it takes a heart to, to, to care for those, those that are most precious to us, to, to our physical bodies that are very important, very precious to us. My friend, I think I've mentioned him before, my friend out in South Dakota, who was a Minuteman missile silo uh, technician. That meant, you know, these missile silos that were down in the earth in South Dakota. He would spend, you know, a week at a time living down in this capsule that was earthquake-proof uh, and, and ready, trained, and, and prepared to launch that missile during the Cold War if necessary. They didn't just throw him down in there underground and say, just go with your gut. Do what you think is right took a lot of training over and over again. I hope you see today that, they, that, that we have a tool. We have a tool as a church body for figuring out how training can happen in our lives, how we can be a part of training one another in how to better follow Christ. We've been looking at a key application over the letter from the letter to the Hebrews. I've mentioned before, for nine and a half chapters, uh, ten and a half chapters, this letter has been doctrine, 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 theology, Christology, technically it's called. And then finally it's like, now let us do these things. And a key one of these pops up in verses 24 through 25. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. 
You know, a working definition that you could use for discipleship, a simple working definition would be this, helping others follow Christ. When we need discipleship, as we always do, all of us need discipleship, we need others to help us to follow Christ. So how we want to equip harvesters, when I say we, I mean church leadership, I mean others that have put this kind of into practice. How we want to be about equipping you as harvesters for personal discipleship that we have embraced is what we call a three-layer approach. Now let me just say, I'm very comfortable with being a preacher, all right? Some people don't like that label. For themselves, but I figured Jesus went about preaching the good news. So if Jesus was a preacher, I I can be comfortable being a preacher. This morning, I'm going to do a little bit more of teaching. All right, preaching is more proclamational. Teaching is a little bit more of a dialogue. Okay, we're kind of moving through a subject a little bit more together. Uh, our um, our Regular staple from this pulpit, I would consider preaching, and I consider that makes us healthier. But every now and then, you know, you got to just have a rib, a, a rib meal, you know, where there's no vegetables involved, and that's kind of like what we're getting today. It's, it's topical by nature, and it's more a little bit more of teaching. But if you're receiving what I'm saying about it being time for us to consider how to stir up one another to love and good works pay attention here this morning this is how we are this is what we are embracing what we have been embracing over a number of years since 2015 seeing the a unity of the spirit and seeing it work for us as a body this three layer approach so this approach to discipleship is a part of how we want to equip you for obeying god when it comes to being commanded to make disciples. We encourage you to use this approach, first of all, in pursuing discipleship for yourself and pursuing discipleship for others. And this uh, kind of, I'm going to reference here one of these kind of lists uh, on the back side of your notes here, that the three-layer approach here is a tool for understanding the progression of discipleship. So what I mean by that is the the first layer, that foundation that always has to be laid first is the layer of biblical teaching. Okay? It's establishing the truth on a matter. Okay? When I meet with somebody for premarital counseling, one of my first goals is to establish a good foundation of what does the scriptures have to say about marriage? What does the scriptures have to say about the relationship between husband and wife? Uh, Layer two of discipleship, of our three-layer approach, is demonstrating. Demonstrating, showing what it looks like to live by the truth. If I have a good uh, established foundation of what the truth has to say on a matter of discipleship, or if the person I want to help has a good understanding, a foundation of that the truth of what it has, what Scripture has to say on the matter, it may be that they need to see it lived out. They need to see it demonstrated. 
So do, can you see how this is, is, is a tool for helping us to discern, understand the progression of discipleship? That, that third layer on top is coaching, which, which means exhortation, uh, encouragement, and accountability to live by the truth. Okay? It might be in that example of, of a married couple that are kind of like, we need to get some help in this area. Or maybe um, somebody coming to them saying, you need to get some help in this area. And, and they've seen that they're, they're <clears throat> you can assess that there's, there's an understanding of what Scripture has to say about the marriage relationship. They, they have seen it laid out, maybe their grandparents, maybe their parents. They know what they're shooting for here. But now they need some coaching. They need some accountability. A lot of times marriage counseling can take this. Uh, it can look like this. It's kind of like, okay, now that we've established what, what the issue is here, I want you guys to go home and practice this. And then when we come back together, there's going to be some accountability here. You can see that in the coaching layer of discipleship. So like any structure, it's best to lay the foundation first. And so as we cover this here this morning, I want to challenge you. Teach one another about following Christ. We're looking mainly here from the idea of how we can pour into others, but it may be that you're sitting here realizing, now I understand why I just cannot get the money thing right. First of all, I don't even know what Scripture has to say about it. Now I understand why I can't get the parenting thing here. I mean... We all go through seasons where we just get that wrong, okay? <clears throat> but this is not just a way for, let me just say again, this is not just a way for us to assess the needs of someone else, but also for it to help us assess our needs of discipleship. And, and this is issue-based, okay? We're not talking about, as Jeff and I talked about this <clears throat> earlier in the week, this is not like... Um, you know, a Padawan following his Jedi master around, okay? <clears throat> In terms of like, okay, I've got to learn everything from this person. And I, as a pastor, there might be times where I'm going to go find a brother that's younger than me, and I might be like, man, you, you are really helping your marriage with sowing the word into it. You're really like discipling your kids well. Can I, 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 I need to get some coaching on that from you. Okay, so it's not like we're setting ourselves under someone or we're like, oh man, if I'm discipling someone, that means I've just like, this is my person. I'm, I'm with them, you know, till, they, till I cross the finish line, you know. So, so this is issues based in the sense of an area that I need to grow in. But So teach one another about following Christ. This is helping a harvester to learn what the Bible says about it. Instruction from God's word is the necessary foundation for growing in following Christ. Plain and simple. We're told that in Matthew 28, verses 19 through 20, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. I know this is familiar with, for you guys. But here's a major part of discipleship, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. 
Mark Dever says this, at its core, discipling is teaching. We teach with words. We teach all that Jesus taught his disciples and all the words of the Bible. At its core, or I would say it's the foundation of discipleship, is teaching. Let me just ask you this. Like I said, there's a little bit of a dialogue here. Where do you see in these verses a promise that we can pretty well claim that when we're discipling a fellow brother or sister, we're growing closer to Christ? I'm really throwing this question out there. This isn't rhetorical. Where do you see that hope in these verses? That we're going to grow closer to Christ as we disciple a fellow brother or sister in Christ. Twenty B, thank you. That, that's, exactly. Christ has promised, I am with you in this. I'm doing this through you. I am a part of this. You know, it kind of fits well with him telling us wherever two or more of you are gathered together, I'm going to be there in your midst. Okay, so, so here are some of what the Apostle Paul told his disciple Timothy about discipleship. He says in 2 Timothy 2, 2, What you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Guys, this, this is the way it's done. This is the way it has been done since the beginning. Or 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. This is both him saying, use this, and he's also like laying out God's word, right, as he's writing it. None of us would be able to combat the lies that surround us without God's word. A husband and wife need to know that God intends for them to live as he designed. As we're told in Ephesians 5.23, however, let each one of you, speaking to husbands, love his wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. There we go, folks. This is the truth that we need to be reminded of. This is the truth that young married couples need to be taught. A child needs to know about God's design for them and that it's as according to Ephesians 6.1 to obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. And he goes on to say that it might go well with you. This is something that our culture is not going to teach our kids. I don't know if you've caught on to that yet. But every Disney movie is somehow... The parents or the adult figures, they end up, you know, at the end of it saying to the, uh, you know, the princess, I am so glad you didn't listen to me. I'm so glad you did your own thing. This is not something that kids are going to be getting from the world. They need to be taught what scripture has to say about their relationship with their parents. And so parents, if, if you're sitting there going, oh man. I got kids in my home. I got, I am like busy all day long and stuff. I don't have time for discipleship. Yes, you do. You just said you got kids in your home that need to be have it taught, that need to have it modeled, to need to have it coached. I I cannot survive remodeling a home without YouTube videos. I will tell you that, right? So why do we love YouTube videos so much? I'm not talking about cat videos, all right? 
you know, when I'm doing something and I need to figure out how it's done, I need to see it demonstrated. I need to see it modeled. I need to see how it works, how it goes together. Well, long before YouTube, we actually did this in person. We demonstrated how to do something. And, and so that's why the second layer of discipleship as we approach it as a body, and this is our thing. Didn't get this out of a book. Didn't get this from somebody else. It's, it's what we, we saw put together as far back as 2015, and we see that it works for us. We've seen a unity of the Spirit in moving forward, and this is a tool that we're now saying, hey, this is what we're going to go back to here. Okay, But that second layer is demonstration. And I challenge you here this morning, demonstrate for one another what it looks like to follow Christ. It is invaluable. It's just as important as going to a YouTube video to figure out how to strip a piece of furniture. But even more so, it has eternal significance. This means letting a harvester see what it looks like to follow Christ. Laid upon the foundation of the truth, the follower of Christ benefits from seeing it worked out, from seeing that faithfulness. We read in 1 Corinthians 11.1 1, where Paul says, Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. Or he says, writes in Philippians 3.17, Brothers, join in imitating me. And keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. I was talking with a uh, brother this past week as we were studying the Bible together. And, you know, we just thought about the fact that, you know, for all of Paul's letters, it was only his letter to the Romans that they had not personally seen him following Christ before them. That he had not been with them. Only the letter to the Romans was one that he was sending that out without them having met him. But you can see how these letters were coaching them. And they had seen following Christ demonstrated before them. I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit here. But Hebrews 13.7, as we will get to, I promise, eventually, in the book of Hebrews... <clears throat> Where we read, remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. The same way that you look at your parents maybe. Or you look at your grandparents and you think, I want a marriage like that. That is the way that all of following Christ is meant to work. We are meant to be able to look at mature men and women. Be able to say, I've seen it demonstrated. That's how I want to follow Christ. Wayne Grudem says this, All those in leadership positions in the church should realize that the requirements to live a life worthy of imitation is not optional. It is a major part of the job. End quote. To demonstrate what it looks like to follow Christ. This is an important second layer of discipleship. Or 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 see it here in Hebrew, I'm sorry, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 6 through 9. All these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. Yeah, that's great. But then notice, you shall teach them diligently to your children. Okay, lay in that foundation and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise. 
You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be on as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. So we see the teaching there. Let me ask you this. What's being demonstrated by these parents that obey this command, these commands? What's being demonstrated for their kids? Not just how to stick something to their forehead or nail something to their, you know, doorpost. What do you think? Honoring God? Yes. And when does it happen? Bingo. What's being demonstrated there is how important, how significant it is to, to honor the Lord with our lives with whatever we're doing. Right? Soaking in it. Absolutely. Thank you, Bill. Thank you, Nancy. The importance of God's truth. The practical nature of God's truth. This layer of discipleship, it may be the highest that you can build if the person just isn't hungry. If the person just doesn't want to play the game. Right? But it is significant. Parents, grandparents... You have no idea how many adults finally come to their senses. You know, when you go from being an idiot to being brilliant, right? Overnight. But they come back to a foundation of the faith that was taught and was demonstrated before them. It's hugely significant. Even if it doesn't lead to a person saying, can you please coach me in this? This layer of discipleship, like I said, it might be the highest level that you might even get to. But at, at the same time, this illustrates for us why it does not work um, to teach your kid not to swear and explain that it's because those are mommy and daddy words. Okay? You're not supposed to say those words, but I can because I'm an adult. It doesn't work. All right? The same way it doesn't work to teach your, try to teach your teenager, don't text and drive, and they see you doing it all the time as you're driving down the road. It doesn't work. Now, there are times when I'm in the car with the, you know, my sons, and I'm like, wait, I don't know what I'm doing. I should not have my phone in, the hand, in my hand here. I'm driving. I'm trying to demonstrate something. Okay? <clears throat> so I, I, I got to keep moving here, but I, I I've, you know, this is a teaching thing. Like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm re- trying to read you here. It seems like we're tracking together here. Um, okay. And that's good. Mark Dever also says this, Jesus didn't just command his disciples to teach people. He told them to teach people to obey. The goal of discipleship is to see lives transformed which means it involves more than reading a book or even, or even the Bible, meaning, or even just reading the Bible with another person. Ultimately, discipling involves living out the whole Christian life before others. So, so we're not just looking for, and I, I don't mean to demean sitting down with somebody and going through a book together. That's, that's significant. Again, um, to be committed to that, to be in, intentional about it, to, to have that desire for that person to grow, you're demonstrating 
Christ-like love. You're demonstrating the value, the importance of that, right? Um, you know, if you have a whole shelf full of books that you did the first chapter with people and then it just kind of fell off, you may be demonstrating that it's not that important. Okay? I'm digressing. But anyways. But discipleship is also more than just going through a book with somebody. They need to see it lived out. You need to see it lived out. It may be, folks, that you're not moving forward in that area of life that you keep banging your head against the wall with is because you're not willing to let somebody in and let them help you. Uh, even if you can just say, can you just show me how you do this? So if a person is embracing God's truth and has a desire to be discipled, uh, maybe they're able to be coached. Maybe they have that willingness. And I want to challenge you, coach one another in following Christ. This means challenging a harvester to intentionally live for Christ in that area that they're being discipled in. God's, God uses, God's use of a disciple maker is multifaceted, just as we see in Titus uh, chapter 2. And we'll be looking at Titus chapter 2 uh, next week. You see in verse 1 where Paul says to his, uh, the, the pastor Titus, but as for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine. And then he says in verses 7 through 8, show yourself in all respect to be a model of good works. In your teaching, show integrity, dignity, and sound speech that cannot be condemned so that an opponent may not be put to shame, having nothing evil to say about us. So you can see how these verses in Titus are going to be very good for us to look at next week. So you see that he's being told to teach. You see that he's being told to demonstrate what it looks like to follow Christ. And this should be... Um, Somewhat second nature, you know, especially if somebody's a pastor or something like that. Where do you see the coaching in these verses? Yes, yeah, but we're still kind of on the demonstration there. And this is kind of a hard, you kind of got to get your mind in a different frame of mind to answer this question. Where do you see the coaching? I'll answer this one for you. Paul is coaching Titus, right? Titus is Paul's disciple. Titus is this young pastor that Paul sent to this church. And, and Titus sends a buddy over to Paul, and he's kind of like, okay, these are the things that are going on. And Paul's writing this letter. So many of the New Testament epistles, I'd even, I'd even say all of the New Testament epistles, are examples of coaching followers of Christ in specific areas of what it looks like to follow Christ, having, having used the truth, having laid the truth out, they then coach them in, these, in the New Testament epistles. They're sharing the truth and pointing out specific applications with the intention that it changes the lives of the reader. That's every New Testament epistle there for you. So we see this kind of process of mentoring in, in many different walks of life. I have a little chart here. We've actually looked at this before. It's probably all the way back in 2015. Okay, so, you know, let's say you're training for a job. 
Let's say you're learning a new, a new position at work or something like that. Usually it goes in this progression. The mentor does, the mentee watches. The mentor does, the mentee helps. The mentor helps, the mentee, the mentor helps, the mentee does. The mentor watches, the mentee does. You know, it's kind of like that, I'll do it, you watch. We'll do it together. You do it, I'll watch. That's kind of like what coaching looks like. But, um, you know, parents, grandparents, um, youth leaders, um, sometimes coaching just is not an option. Sometimes it's just like, yeah, 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 I don't want to hear what you have to say. Again, demonstration is huge. But you can't coach somebody that doesn't want to play the game. Okay? You know, if it's kind of like, hey, maybe we should talk sometime about, like, how we can go about choose, making good entertainment choices. You know, let, would you like to talk sometime about what it looks like to, to um, have a quiet time at home? You know, um, maybe would you like some help in, in knowing how to, Share your faith with your friends. The person might be like, ah, no, I'm good. Sometimes you just don't get to the coaching level. But it's still valuable. It's still important. So the three-layer approach here is also, as you can see on uh, the back page of your notes there, it's a tool for discerning how to approach a specific situation. This might be a situation of like, I need to learn what it looks like or I need to, to learn more about following Christ in my workplace. Or uh, Joe Schmo, he really needs to learn what it looks like to follow Christ in his workplace. He doesn't take his Jesus cloak off when he walks in the door and becomes somebody else. Okay, so we can ask three-layer questions. Okay, I, I don't want this to drag here, but you know, in this particular area of following Christ... Following Christ at our workplace. Does the person understand what God says about it? Okay. Do they need teaching? Um, note here, it's very difficult to disciple someone from a different background than you have. This is why a lot of us, you know, it's a challenge for us to mentor guys from Trinity. Especially if they don't attend church with us. But it's like, it's hard to lay on a foundation that's very different than ours. So that's why the best people to disciple are the people you go to church with. In terms of it working well. I'll just say that. Just throwing that out there. Um, but another question. Have they seen it lived out? Or if I'm looking at my need, have I seen it lived out? Is, that, is it the demonstration of it that I need? Note also, what they have seen, it may or may not be biblical. You have to discern that. Third question, are they eager to be coached? Are they willing to have accountability on it? Are they willing to kind of make some plans like, okay, so let's take these steps during this week. This is a lot of times what people go to counseling for, is to get those steps. How do I move forward here? And counseling can be a very valuable way to be coached. But we can coach each other, folks. So, and this, this, this coaching also can include the layer of one and two as well. 
Because we uncovered, this is what scripture says, this is what it looks like, those sort of things. You know, but it can... Uh... All right, so moving forward. Let's look at some examples of this from Jesus' ministry, all right? Uh, real quick. Notice Jesus' teaching. He helped people to learn the truth. You see this all over the scriptures, all over the gospels, of course. We see in Matthew 5, seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain. And when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them. He laid the foundation of teaching. But, but how often was, did it happen that as the, his disciples, that's the crowd, but as his disciples <clears throat> got alone together with him, there came the question, what did you mean by that? Or he said, now when I said this, how did that strike you? All right, you know, one of those things was they said, Lord, if that's the case with marriage, it's better for us not to marry. You know, he needed to uh, get a little bit more specific with them. But also notice Jesus modeling, Jesus helping his disciples to see what it looks like to trust and obey him and to trust and obey the Father. There's a reason why there was plenty of bread left over before he fed the multitude, multiplying the loaves of bread. We read in Matthew 16, Jesus, aware of this, their conversation, said, Oh, you of little faith, why are you discussing among yourselves the fact that you have no bread? Did you not, do you not yet perceive? Do you not remember the five loaves for the 5,000 and how many baskets you gathered? Jesus had been demonstrating that he and the Father can take care of people's needs. That we don't have to worry. <clears throat> but like I said, notice the modeling of the Christian life doesn't mean that we stop teaching. Okay? It's just a little detail. Jesus' teaching and his mentoring is displayed pretty well in his humbly serving with his new command. As we see him modeling in John 13 he, where at, right after washing his disciples' feet he says, if I then, your Lord and teacher have washed your feet you also ought to wash one another's feet for I have given you an example that you should do just as I have done to you. He taught and he modeled. He demonstrated what it meant to be like himself. You know, what it meant to follow Christ. But also, he gives us in our new commandment, in John 13, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. He didn't just drop it there. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. Jesus demonstrated for his disciples and for us, because it's needed, what it looks like to truly love. Notice Jesus' coaching. He helps his disciples to live out what it means to glorify God. And I love this picture. This to me is an awesome picture of demonstration moving to a hunger in a follower of Christ leading into coaching. Luke 11. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples, having watched him, one of his disciples said to him, Lord Teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. They didn't get up and look on their Google calendar that morning and say, oh, it's time for us to learn to pray today. Okay, so sometime we've got we to fit this in between lunch and, you know, tea. 
And so we got to make sure that Jesus teaches us to pray. No, they were watching him demonstrate a relationship with the Father that they wanted. So they come to him and they ask him to be coached in praying the way Jesus prayed. The same way that others, like John the Baptist, had taught his people to pray. Jumping ahead here, the writer of the article that, uh, called The Basics of Discipleship had this to say. The disciples watched Jesus work. They worked with him. They asked him questions. When they failed or did not understand, they went out in pairs to practice what they had learned. They reported back to him. They asked more questions, and they received further instruction. Discipleship is much more than an event. It includes the sharing of lives. And we want to put in your hands a simple way of looking at it with three layers of teaching, demonstrating, coaching. So we don't, uh, you'll be getting this in the coming weeks as well. Uh, these coaching request forms. At some point, we're going to like have a box out. I said I'd have one out this week. I'm sorry. We're going to have a box out and... Um, we just want, we want to facilitate this as much as we can during this t uh, period of time. And, and you can see there, there's, there's a column, I want coaching. And there's a column, I'm willing to coach. You don't have to mark both of them, okay? Just tell you that. It's not, it's not like that. But, but be praying about this. I, I hope that you see in our, in our uh, message here this morning from God's Word, this is the way it works, folks. And this three-layer approach is what we feel like works for harvest. When we turn our eyes to Christ's greatest example for us here this morning, of an example of sacrifice, an example of, of um, selflessness, that I don't know if we any person walking this earth would ever have the opportunity to match. But it's an example to us nonetheless. We're told in 1 Peter 2, 21, For this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example, so that you might follow in his steps. It's all about following Christ, folks. But don't let me make you think, as we come to the Lord's Supper, that in some way... Um, we're supposed to go out and if you haven't broken your body and spilt your blood that you're not really following Christ. That's not what I'm saying. But we follow Christ by obeying the Father the way that Christ obeyed the Father. We follow Christ by trusting the Father the way that Christ trusted his follower, his Father. We follow Christ by, by saying to the Father the same way that Jesus said to the Father, not my will, but yours be done. The Christian life is about following Christ. And as we've seen throughout the book of Hebrews, the only way that it was ever made possible is that Jesus sacrificed himself for us. And I still am amazed at the idea that that's what he wants us to remember. He wants us to remember his humblest moment, hanging naked on a cross. He wants us to remember himself 
in his bloodiest, most bruised, uh, most painful image that we can bear in our minds of the Lord of the universe sacrificed for us. Not to make us feel bad, not to make us um, beat up on ourselves, but to say there's a reason why he did this. And it's so that we could have relationship with God through faith. The Apostle Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 23 through 26, I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it. He said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Now, I'm going to pray for us here, and and the praise team is going to lead us through a uh, song here, and and when it's fitting for you, for yourself, for your household, I want to invite you. There's three tables in the back there, and one up front here. the The cups are a little precarious there. Uh, the the oyster crackers a little big this week, um, but they're stacked one on the other, so kind of be careful as you pull it out there. Um, I guess they make those different sizes, but I digress. <laughs> Let's bow our heads together.